The following talk was recorded at Label the Planet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. Label the Planet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. Label Planet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org join or making a donation at my.fsf.org donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, The Free Software Supporter, at fsf.org fss and for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit libreplanet.org conference. Hello, Libre Planet 2021. This uh, keynote talk is titled 10 Years of Empowering Activists and Everyday People Through, Mobili Through Free Mobile Software, and will be presented by Nathan Freitas, the founder and director of The Guardian Project, an award-winning free software mobile security collaborative with millions of users and beneficiaries worldwide. Among Nathan's many accomplishments, he helped to create Orbot, which brings the privacy benefits of the Tor network to Android devices. And he co-designed the Haven app with Edward Snowden. Nathan's work has generated a lot of interesting stories and important insights. And in this talk, he'll tell us a few of them and try to project and forecast for computing freedom and software in the future. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. And as I said, everyone, I'm in IRC and I know many of you are Tired, it's late, Commodore 64, ukulele, see, I'm live. Uh, and uh, you've made it to this point and I really appreciate all of you being here. I'm gonna decide not to use slides, not to use videos. I have lots of props, show and tell um, and stories. This is called um, talking stories, uh, you know, a, a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, this is this, you'll see this C64 is, it still works, but my children smashed it. And if um, you don't have children yet, you'll learn that they smash all your precious things, um, especially computing things, but you still love them. So, um, but I wanted to just thank you um, to Free Software Foundation and the Libre Planet organizers for having me. Um, I was also really honored to be included with Julia and Nadia, um, people who I respect. Um, builders and thinkers. Um, the idea of a European Open Technology Fund um, is, you know, something near and dear to my heart in that um, a lot of our work has been funded um, by the U.S. Open Technology Fund, which you can see on their website. It's very transparent and, I, you know, they funded a lot of amazing work. And I'm all for things that funnel public government money into free software, open source, privacy, securely audited solutions. So that's a, a great idea. And uh, Nadia and I were actually part of something called the assembly program at uh, as part of the Berkman Klein Center at Harvard. Um, 
I'm just across the river from Cambridge. Um, so um, I get to, to dabble over there. And she was really awesome with um, one day I wanted to bring my daughter by her Center for Bits and Atoms um, because I thought it was a really interesting place. And I thought that um, it'd be fantastic to see my daughter, uh, have my daughter see someone um, that is doing work like that, that she could um, see herself kind of be represented by. So I really appreciated Nadia taking us in that day. Um, I also wanted to just um, talk, take a moment to reach out to the Asian American uh, members of the free software community um, and maybe listening to this talk and say, you know, right now it's been, it's been a tough week for uh, people that um, are Asian American in the United States with violence uh, perpetrated against them in not only this week, but before. I grew up in Northern California in a culture that was um, sort of in, fully intertwined being uh, Catholic growing up around the Filipino community, Vietnamese community, Japanese community, all who had been through many things then. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's never been easy, but it's been quite difficult um, with, with violence like happened this week. And I just wanted to say, you know, you're welcome here. Like all of you are so welcome. I know um, free software isn't always uh, the most easy community to um, be a part of if you aren't sort of white and male, but I know that that's been worked on and focused on and something that um, people want to actively address and improve. And I appreciate all of those of you who are doing that work. And I appreciate the um, diversity I have seen here so far, but I really just wanna reach out to all of our Asian American brothers and sisters out there and say, you are welcome here. Um, so why am I here? Who am I to be here with all of you um, taking up your precious time? Um, well, it was about 17 years ago that um, I took a new turn, a different path in my life. Um, at the time, um, I had been so excited to, I was sort of obsessed with early mobile technology. And, you know, maybe I'll bring out my first show and tell. This is an old Palm Pilot called a, a Tungsten, or this is maybe the Pacific. This is actually a prototype device. Um, it was the first ARM Palm Pilot. And I really loved kind of the, the Palm Pilots, the Blackberries, these early pocket computers. Um, this one, super cool. You could open it and extend it and close it and has a neat little pen. Um, and I had gotten into that field of writing in the first kind of era of mobile computing, um, Apple Newton, Palm Pilot, and had uh, started a, a software company that was building actually secure mobile software platforms, um, trying to use, you know, um, build new systems for moving data that kind of were platform centric and not just proprietary business apps. And we actually got um, acquired or sort of aqua hired, honestly, um, by, um, by Palm. And actually, yeah, I should say we also worked on WAP, we worked on anything that was small. There were some early Linux kind of things from Sharp then. Um, and uh, J2ME, like we were full, all, all good, all mobile. Um, SMS, everything we could do to bring that into kind of business environments. So I got bought by Palm um, and started working there. And I really was excited about that life. Um, but I then started to quickly encounter all the limitations that Palm faced 
because they use not only a closed proprietary uh, system, but one that they didn't completely own. They had to license the kernel and they could only use one thread at a time. And it was just nuts. And then I wanted to try to bring, um, you know, developer tools um, and, and Java at the time, but also um, I proposed bringing a Linux system onto ARM chips at the Palm, at Palm, and there was just no path for it to get done um, at the time. And it started to frustrate me that, you know, I felt that I had seen a path for pushing these things forward and it couldn't be done. Um, I also really loved uh, in my life, separate from work, doing uh, volunteering. And I had been providing assistance through my skills to a lot of different groups, teaching kids. I actually lived in New York. So I'd take the, um, the four train up to East Harlem and teach at an after-school computer program and teach kids how to write basic at the time and build basic web pages. And um, I love doing that. And then I also started volunteering. A friend in my office said, you know, this, these, this nonprofit needs some help with their computers. This is um, 1998, by the way. And turned out to be a group called Students for a Free Tibet. And Students for a Free Tibet was an amazing group that had been born out of the sort of Beastie Boys Tibet Freedom Concerts. Um, but it was young Tibetans and non-Tibetans working together to counter China's attacks on the Tibetan people in exile and to support uh, freedom for the Tibetan people. So there, here, here are some people really fighting for freedom, loving freedom, wanting freedom. And here I was in this technology space where no one could sort of, you know, see a path towards freedom. And they just, they weren't working together. They weren't like connecting. And so, you know, I really wanted to bring those lives, sides of my life together. And I did. Uh, in, in 2004, I left kind of the Silicon Valley world and started working on, on free software um, early in, in the first days around RSS um, and some other tools that I saw as important with syndication. But then um, I quickly understood that my experience in mobile and uh, with security and the work I had done at Palm would help actually activists with private communication because there was actually at the time, there was no way to send a private text message. There was no way to have a device with software on it that you could trust that was written, you know, in a way that was reputable, that was tested, that was um, audited. There was some things called like a, a secure phones that were very expensive, but it just was kind of not a viable path. So it was scary to leave the opportunity that I had at the time, but um, I knew it was the right thing to do. And I realized like I had the freedom to do it. And, and this is where I want to get into the idea of free and freedom. You know, I had a certain kind of freedom that I could take that risk um, I don't come from a wealthy background, but I had a moment where I could um, take this opportunity to try to have a different kind of impact in my life. I know there's a lot of people out there and maybe some of you don't have that freedom and are challenged with kind of taking a leap into free software full time or to taking your passion and connecting it with technology. Um, and I think we all need to do more to support that. I really enjoyed the discussions today on um, funding on um, how to uh, sustain yourselves, how to uh, work together to kind of build 
um, teams and through like usability, through localization, through other skill sets, all of those things are needed and they're all opportunities to widen the circle. So um, now one of the things I wanna talk about really quick, cause I see there's some great chat about this is things like the Pine phone and the Librem phone. Um, this is my, yeah, my Palm diversion. So these things are great, but you know, um, I actually met one of my early contributors to Guardian Project, the main kind of almost uh, founder with me now, um, Hans Christoph Steiner, who works in the Debian Project and F-Droid, um, because he would take old Palms and try to put Linux on them. And that was something that we loved. Um, obviously, you know, Raspberry Pis and the Raspberry Pi tablets and all the people building kind of interesting portable personal electronics, this is happening now and it's really exciting. The one device that really excited me is the, the chip and the pocket chip that was sort of a, a strange um, Blackberry clone and competitor. And I actually got Signal running on this because um, through Signal's libraries, I built a command line Signal client, which was pretty hilarious. But um, I will call out another effort, obviously Replicant and Calyx OS are efforts um, to bring um, better software and free software specifically to um, ARM hardware. But I am excited and I just wanna support those projects, PinePhone. And we've talked with Librem and others in the past about how do we bring Tor, how do we bring encrypted um, matrix and kind of committing to that software infrastructure on those devices. Um, yeah, the pocket chip, this thing is ridiculous. I mean, it was just sort of a, a, a thing they could do, um, but um, it was like, if you ever took apart an Atari joystick and you open the top and it had the like, the whatever these called dimples, it was it's basically the Atari joystick dimples. So, um, but yeah, that was interesting and fun. I just wanna make uh, that point, put a pin in the point of inclusivity and understanding um, you know, the freedom you have to contribute. And again, really trying to figure out how can we widen co contribution to free software? How can we build more sustainable funding? And how can we support programs that bring more people in? That's actually a key part of what we do at Guardian Project. One of the most interesting things we did was work with a group in Zimbabwe on being our not only trainers in the area, but um, testers and quality assurance testing. Um, and they're activists who also knew exactly what the software should do. And we were able to work with them. And, and that made me um, very happy when we did that. All right, book break. I'm gonna show you some books that I have. I'm sure a lot of you have been reading over the last year. And um, you know, on this topic, of, and maybe you can post in IRC right now, your favorite book you've read. Maybe it's a, a EPUB or a, a, a e-reader book on the new um, hacked uh, e-readers that I heard about. But um, these are paper books. And this is an excellent book everyone should read called Black Software by Charlton D. McGillwain. What I really love about this is it kind of breaks the myth of like, um, you know, oh, why isn't X community involved in technology? Um, but, and they have been, for instance, the black community in America has been, and they have been for a long time. And I just wanna read a, a really interesting, tasty piece of this. On May 5th, a group of 150 protesters stormed Warren Weaver Hall at Kent State University and liberated the computer center. 
They threatened to detonate a homemade bomb that they had strapped to the towering computer console. To the protesters, that computer symbolized and showcased state power. They believe the state used that computer to exercise control and advance its own interests and prerogatives. To those protesters, that computer extended the oppressor's reach. Powerful, huh? Um, having seized its oppressors, the protesters demanded that the university pay a $100,000 ransom. They were ultimately thwarted by the police. Now, a decade later, um, one of the main protagonists of this book, um, Ken, and I gotta find his name, but he stood in that same hall, not to liberate the computer, but to learn how to use it. He was participating in a summer program that introduced high school students to computer programming. So there's a bunch of stories in this book like that about using how black community tried to use and, and have been using and, and accomplished many things in liberating themselves through technology. All right. On a different, uh, this is just like super geeky. If you haven't read Sunburst and Luminary and Apollo Memoir, it's by one of the programmers uh, of the um, software for landing the Apollo lander. And um, it's just really interesting to see how difficult it was and how long it took to accomplish something. Um, working in the Tibet movement, you know, they've been working to uh, you know, liberate themselves for 60 years. And even my own work there for 20 years is like very difficult sometimes to maintain hope. And I know over this last year, people that have been working on open source health hardware ventilators uh, faced many challenges. And, and many of you out there who are trying to build better systems, every year, you know, you get some moment of like, oh, this is just much too hard. Um, and there's things that are hard human-wise, and there's things that are just technically hard. This is a mixture of both, and it's a great book. All right. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of Neil Stevenson fans here. And um, what makes me sad about uh, Neil Stevenson is that most people just read Snow Crash and stop. Um, maybe, maybe there's some other books that have been uh, read. But um, books that inspired me early on, actually, in activism were um, The Big U, where you know there's all sorts of interesting hijinks that go on with um, yeah in the beginning was command line actually have that uh, that inspired me and um, you know this is kind of a college campus interesting hilarious life um, about um, I don't know it's hard to even describe um, but there's another book that um, about being a climate activist and working you know at, in the on the Charles River and um, he just has so many interesting books about different facets of life. Life, And this book, Interface, which he wrote under a different name, talks about a, uh, an election where the candidate is controlled by a chip in his brain and uh, signals coming from the internet, which would never happen in real life, of course. All right, last book, and then I'll get back to talking a little bit more about my work. Um, I've often been inspired in my work by... Um, nonviolent direct action, peaceful organizing, people, um, and I know that, you know, the free software uh, effort is, thank you, Zodiac, thank you very much. Free software is a movement, right? It's a campaign, it's a fight, a nonviolent fight. Um, 
And one of the best books to learn about tactics for organizing, for inspiring, um, is this one called Beautiful Trouble. And it says, a, a toolbox for revolution. The Apollo book was called Sunburst and Luminary. There you go, Sunburst and Luminary. All right, so Beautiful Trouble was written by my friend Andrew Boyd, who was one of the billionaires for Bush, which is a tongue-in-cheek group. Um, and it has tactics, principles, theories, case studies, and practitioners. Um, and, you know, one of the cool ones is the 99% bat signal, which you might have seen um, people um, displaying a huge light um, around New York um, as, a, as a tactic. So you can see that there but so many other tactics that you and your projects and your efforts and your movements can use to boycott, to sit in, to have parties, to make stickers, to do you know, virtual protests, to do real protests. So this stuff is great and uh, Andrew is a real student of it. And I'm actually working with Andrew right now on something called Climate Clock, um, which is um, building open source uh, climate clocks um, that count down to 2030, and, and if you check out Climate Clock, um, they, they just took over the clock in Union Square in New York City with their clock. <laughs> There's a countdown clock there. Anyhow, reading. It's good. I hope you all have time to read, um, and these things fuel me and inspire me um, in so many ways. Um, so over this last year, I'm sure all of you have been trying to figure out what to do to help and to be useful and to make an impact. Um, I know that we were really concerned about a lot of the, the privacy intrusive um, outcomes of the pandemic. And I know, I know RMS and others have talked about this um, with um, people moving to pr proprietary software. One of the things we did at Guardian Project is um, actually focus on ensuring groups had a secure way to easily deploy Jitsi and utilize that in the human rights and internet freedom space. And um, we, we were actually successful in migrating um, a number of our uh, partners over to using Jitsumi, to using Matrix, um, instead of Slack, instead of Zoom, and that other infrastructure. Um, these things are uh, key, the sort of sovereignty for uh, an organization to know that they have control, that there is end-to-end encryption or the servers they control have been key in this time to, to their privacy and security, especially when they have um, state actor adversaries. So we, you might've known uh, an app called ChatSecure or Jibberbot originally, we worked on bringing encrypted messaging to XMPP um, historically. So we worked on XMPP for many, many, many years um, and um, helped support bringing OMEMO encryption to uh, mobile devices, um, and we loved it. Um, as time went on, we realized that, um, you know, we felt that um, standards were evolving and that people needed something they could use from a web browser more easily, that they could access from uh, multiple machines that could maybe bridge to other protocols. And so um, our decision was to move to Matrix, and we've been really happy um, working on that with our, um, what we call our Keanu platform. Now, one of the most interesting things that I wanna share with you today, um, and I'm gonna put a link in the um, IRC now, um, 
is an app, and, and this is a very, it's still in uh, beta and we're working on finishing it now, but it's called Circulo. And this is where I wanna get to um, something maybe that um, RMS also said earlier today, or maybe in a different talk, which is, um, and I'm sure many of you feel this, which is, yes, I'm glad you got the Keanu joke for the Matrix platform. Keanu is Polynesian word for wind. It's nothing about Matrix the movies. So that's our joke. Um, so we decided we don't wanna build another chat app. We don't need another group chat app. We don't need another um, thing to replace IRC. Um, what we did hear from a lot of journalists and particularly women journalists in parts of the world is that they were physically being threatened um, doing their job and doing their work. And they needed some kind of panic button, some way to um, alert each other, stay secure. We had built a number of panic button apps. And, um, and so we worked with a, a group called Article 19 in Mexico City. And we de designed something that's not a chat app. It's a end-to-end sec -end encrypted secure group kind of check-in system. And it's called Circulo. Built on the matrix system, matrix platform on our Keanu libraries. And um, we rolled out the beta last year and we did this in co-design with people that never thought they'd ever be able to kind of build their own system and app. Um, they were always being given something from someone else. Um, and we decided that, um, you know, we should follow their lead and to figure out what threats they're facing and how to build that. So that's a big thing to what we've done is to do co-design, do collaboration, and to move away from things like chat secure in the past, where we're, we're building an app that says, well, this competes with Signal, or this competes with Telegram, or IRC, et cetera, and say, how, what else can we use encrypted messaging for, right? So that's a big piece of um, our work. Now, I want to step back. Uh, many of you might uh, know Orbot and use Tor, and maybe use Tor on your phone. Um, and yes, we built Orbot. And that was another big step for us, was to realize that uh, something we could do would be to build um, Tor into more things. And um, Orbot is one of those things for Android phones. But in fact, I'm a bit more excited about um, the work we've done with something called Haven and the work that um, we've done in thinking about you know, running Tor on Raspberry Pis as a um, infrastructure for IoT. Um, and how you can bring Tor to more places in your home as a way and to connect um, you to other things in the world. So a few years ago, we, we worked with Home Assistant Project to show how you could use Onion addresses to link between different devices at your home and, and um, remotely. Orbot supports Onion addresses running on your phone. Um, Secure Drop, you might have heard a talk earlier, uses onion addresses. And we're really excited about um, routing traffic secure end to end, again, over onion addresses, but not for web browsing, for other things. So there's a whole body of work we've done with that. And um, I actually, one of our contributors who's been pioneering that work, uh, leading the way on Onion v3 um, is BIM or Bitmold on GitHub. And I actually met BIM at Libra Planet. So shout out to Libra Planet for connecting the dots with collaborators. Um, and uh, yeah, so I see a lot of talk about Matrix uh, in here. I'd say give it a chance. Um, I think they've done a really good job of trying to um, 
push forward how to do encryption in complex ways across multiple devices. That's why we were drawn to it. Um, I get that um, it's not for everyone and it doesn't have to be. Their ability to connect to bridges and networks also means you don't have to use matrix to talk to people on matrix, which is awesome. <laughs> so I think that's another really uh, useful thing. Another Libra Planet moment I wanted to talk about is F-Droid. Um, I remember being um, with my kids at the status center at MIT and um, being so excited when I saw there was an F-Droid talk at Libra Planet because we've actually been supporting F-Droid um, for a while, um, again, through collaboration with um, uh, Hans on my team. And we love the idea of F-Droid. We love the idea of free software um, mobile app distribution. This is a key thing most people don't think about, right? So instead of building another secure chat app, maybe figure out how to get apps to people more securely and more freely without um, uh, intruding and tracking them and, and uh, advertising against what apps they have, right? So I love F-Droid. Um, yeah, a door cam on tour. So that's what Haven is. So um, Irish, or who just said that? Uh, RWP, I will talk about that in two seconds. Um, anyhow, so F-Droid tackled a unique problem, right? And not only software distribution, but reproducible builds, right? Building from source code and um, distributing software and having, you know, um, a, a Debian-like repository system for mobile. And now it's built into different phones. It was um, in the Fairphone OS. It was in the, um, it's in Calyx OS for uh, Android. And we actually um, started, we built a version of F-Droid for schools so that schools could distribute software, free software um, locally in, within their schools. So we're really excited about it. The most exciting moment though, over these last 10 years with, with F-Droid was when we found out that someone had set up a hotspot, like a Raspberry Pi hotspot in, in Cuba, right? Cuba, Cuba. And, um, and they had put F-Droid on it. They had put the F-Droid repository on it and people could physically go to their store, their mobile shop and connect to a hotspot without internet and get apps and update their apps. And that was all done because they had found out about open source app distribution through F-Droid and they could do it themselves and distribute that. And I love that that happened. Um, so F-Droid is something that really gave the power of software app distribution in a trustworthy, private, sovereign way with all of these good things, not only to all of us, right? But like this guy in Cuba with a mobile shop. So um, we also won a prize that Mozilla and the National Science Foundation um, set up a competition to say, how could we use F-Droid in disaster situations, humanitarian situations? where you don't have internet, but again, you can stand up a Pi or a hotspot and you can put an app store on it. And not only an app, but F-Droid does content distribution too, right? And so we've, um, we have a whole system called Second Wind um, that we'll be announcing and working on. But if you've noticed, F-Droid has a lot of offline um, features now where you can distribute software via a USB stick um, plugged into your phone. You can connect to a hotspot. So this is, um, the features we've been pushing is like the nearby sync features, all of these things. So I'm really excited about that. All right, so let's get back to Haven. Um, if you haven't seen Haven, 
Um, I think you can go to gethaven.org, and I will um, uh, double check that. Oh, no, havenapp.org. I should have known that. Yep, havenapp.org. Yeah, so secondwind.guardianproject.info. These are, like, not launched yet, people, so I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> um, uh, the second wind thing is still is um, in the in the kitchen and almost done. Haven though is something that um, is public, and we haven't up we we've been updating it in the project, and we have a new release coming. So I'm excited to share that. So Haven brings the idea of full IoT um, sensor networks to take any old phone, and you can turn it into a doorbell cam, a home monitor, a pet monitor, a security device, whatever you want. Um, and nothing uh, leaves your phone unless you set it up. And when it does, it goes over signal or through a Tor onion. And so you can get alerts. Um, and this project was the brainchild of Edward Snowden. And so one of the most exciting moments of Guardian Project was walking down Mass Ave one day and um, getting a call from Harlow Holmes at the... Um, Freedom of the Press Foundation saying, hey, can you jump on a, a Jitsi call? And I said, yeah, sure. And I jumped in. I was like walking down the street um, and I got in a call and there was Edward Snowden saying, hey, Nathan, I heard that you're someone who can build things and I have an idea. Um, and he talked about, you know, wanting a secure way to, again, have freedom over your environment, um, to know that your physical space is safe and that you can trust it and that no one's been there and no one's planted any bugs and no one has um, done anything that you don't know about. And so we designed Haven um, to do that. We found an existing freely licensed project that someone had done the basic work on some of the sensors. We took that, changed it dramat dramatically um, uh, in terms of what that was for, but I do wanna call that out because I love we start with that. It's rare that we start from scratch. And I'm proud of that. You know, we take work that people have that is compatible in ideology and in licensing, and then we move it forward into something that's useful. So we built this whole Haven experience with the secure notifications, um, the motion detection, so much more. And now we have video support coming, a totally upgraded um, signal, um, uh, signal notifications, hopefully matrix notifications, and a lot more. So shout out to all the folks that have contributed to Haven. Um, and yeah, I, I, I use Haven myself when I travel, but I've also used it to keep an eye on my dog. Um, all sorts of things you can do with it. Um, all right, so I'm, 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 we're gonna keep going. We've got, still got plenty of time. Uh, I have to get to my ukulele here um, and I wanna make sure I uh, touch on everything. The, um, Two other projects that I want to call out. And as you, as you can, Haven does not require a phone service, no. Um, you can use it. Um, Signal can work over a, a Wi-Fi only con connection. Um, so uh, I mentioned Circular. I mentioned Keanu. All right. So um, another important project that um, we have um, that, that ties into work we've done over the year, years Often we've been asked, how do you measure success and how do you measure impact? And, um, 
you know, we don't like to measure things. We don't like to log anything. We don't like to know how many people use this. Someone, someone asked Connor from SecureDrop earlier, do you have aggregated stats about whistleblowers? <laughs> and it's actually quite hard um, to, uh, to have aggregated stats about anonymous whistleblowers. So, um, so we've thought about at Guardian Project, um, how do we measure success? You know, downloads, updates, stars, forks of our code, number of, um, those are good. Things like number of hours worked or thousand lines of code, maybe those aren't so good. Um, quality of code, number of tests, um, automation, those are good. Um, number of people we've reached out to uh, and, and new volunteers and contributors, right? And, and, and happy community, that's good. But what about things like bike rides, family dinners, new recipes, new books read, new skills learned, um, number of dogs walked, number of waves caught in the ocean. Maybe, how about in IRC right now? Um, how do you measure happiness or success in your life, perhaps? What are some metrics for your projects or your own life you could brainstorm here in IRC? Um, there's also times, metrics we don't want. Um, how, uh, middle of the night wake up calls from server outage incidents, um, uh, attempts to infect our code or backdoor us to steal our signing keys, um, you know, people arrested or detained because they were using your app. These are really unfortunate ones that we try to avoid. So we, you know, we have lots of things, cat cuddles, that's a good one. I used to have a cat, now I became a dog person. Um, but in, in a serious note, um, we've been trying to implement more privacy preserving measurement um, systems for our tools. So I do want to share clean insights and a shout out to Benjamin and Hans and Carrie and Gina and uh, Ian and Abel and many of our other teams and all the Guardian Project team. Um, clean insights is something that we worked on through this last year um, of how to build a privacy preserving measurement system. And this isn't tracking, this isn't analytics in any traditional sense, but you need to measure. And if you've ever seen Tor actually has a great way to measure anonymously. Um, and we've been actually also trying to pioneer a privacy preserving log formats. Um, so, uh, yeah, so these are things in web log formats and, and standards around that as well. So I really want you to check out the clean insights project. It's something that, um, we, we want to help other projects start implementing. And if you go to the F droid blog, you'll see how they have actually implemented it. So I'm very excited about that. All right, so we're coming to a close here. This is my Commodore 64, my real one I had since I was a kid. I said it got smashed open, which is very sad. But you can then, when you smash something open, then you can see how it works, which is very exciting. So um, you can learn more about these things in, in the old days. And I just, I'll, I'll end by telling a story um, about the ukulele. So you might think the ukulele is um, Hawaiian. Um, ukulele actually began as the um, Portuguese instrument, the braguinha or machete de braga. Um, and um, Portuguese uh, field workers or uh, workers basically were brought to Hawaii, including um, some members of my family, uh, my, uh, my grandma Lucy, um, to pick sugarcane. And so 
um, they brought their instruments. They had these long voyages all the way. Can you imagine going from Madeira Island or Cape Verde all the way to Hawaii? And music kept them alive and they brought these instruments. And um, when they got off the boat and started sharing and playing the songs, the Hawaiians loved this instrument. And um, the, the royal court took it up and, and they really wanted it. But what's interesting is um, the Portuguese immigrants, Madeira immigrants, were happy to teach the songs, right? They, they taught their songs, they taught how to play, they taught how to tune, and the Hawaiians actually took it and they, they forked it, they made it their own. They said, no, this is a new instrument, this is a new tuning, we're gonna take your ideas and take it in a new way and make new music, uh, new kinds of music with it. So uh, that became the ukulele. And I think it's really interesting to think about stringed instruments this is called a, a, a damian. This is a Tibetan banjo, um, which is a pretty crazy instrument um, and makes beautiful music. This awesome, like, rock and roll sounding stuff that is so cool. Um, and so I think if we can think about that, there's a lot of free culture and open source that we can be inspired from and learn from. And the ukulele is one story like that. So I'm going to stop here. I'm going to do a song really quick. Uh, and we'll see how this goes. And uh, <clears throat> this is one you might know. Join, join us now and share the software. You'll be free, hackers, you'll be free. Join us now and share the software. You'll be free, hackers, you'll be free. Orders may get piles of money. This is true, hackers, that is true. They cannot help their neighbors. That's not good, hackers. That's not good. When we have enough free software at our call, hackers at our call, we'll throw out those dirty licenses. Ever more hackers, ever more. Join us now and share the software. You'll be free, hackers. You'll be free. Join us now and share the software. All right, everybody. Thanks for having me. Take care of yourselves. And uh, I think that's uh, all I got for today. Thank you very much, Nathan. And uh, we appreciate it. This has been an excellent uh, presentation. Privacy filter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I hope everyone was singing. And uh, yeah, if you want to learn about Tibetan banjo, it's called the Damien. You can hear about it on YouTube. And uh, you can reach me. I'm Nate Freight in a lot of places. And uh, Nathan at Guardian Project info and at Nate Freight on Matrix.org. So many other places. And I'm around. We love contributors. We'd love to hear from all of you. And I'll hang out in IRC if there's more questions. <laughs>